welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. Season 3, where we're looking at franchises. Today, we're going to be taking a look at Jurassic Park. Nice. I mean, there was more than I remembered when, when looking into Jurassic Park. Like there's the big there's six there's six feature films, there's two shorts, uh, there are numerous beyond like reasonable counting video games. Yep. Um, obviously there's books that are that are associated. Um, unlike some of the stuff that we have and will be looking at, the book was like a simultaneous launch. <laughs> it didn't come out way before, or I, uh, even years before. Yeah, I, I, I think. Well, I'm, I'm a Michael Crichton fan, so I actually, I yeah. do, I do know about the book, the boat, the two books. I, I know that'll be my fun facts that I'll add later. Okay, fun facts. Um, let's see. Uh, years active. So 1990 uh, was when both the first book and the first movie uh, came out. Um, again, the the movie was uh, optioned before the book released, actually. So, like, they started working on it prior. Let's get into let's get into the movies. So, Jurassic Park, uh, 1993, uh, directed by Spielberg, uh, produced by Kathleen Kennedy and Gerald R. Mullen. Um, we got uh, our our stars that are kind of outstanding. Our main cast there: uh, Sam Neill as Dr. Alan Grant. Uh, Laura Dern as Dr. Ellie Sattler, uh, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm, uh, Richard Attenborough as Dr. John Hammond. Okay, so it's our first installment in the franchise, uh, the first film of the original Jurassic Park trilogy based on Michael Crichton's 1990 novel by the same name, a screenplay by Crichton and David Kep. The film is set on the fictional island of Isla Nublar, off Central America's Pacific Coast near Costa Rica, where a wealthy businessman, John Hammond, Attenborough, and a team of genetic scientists have created a wildlife park uh, of de-extinct dinosaurs. There's an interesting word. Uh, one industrial sabotage leads to a catastrophic shutdown of the park's power facilities and security precautions. A small group of visitors, including Hammond's grandchildren, struggle to survive and escape the now perilous island. Classic. I am... Um... I uh, yeah that's the I think I think that is the one that I remember the most. I think it's probably mm -hmm. the most iconic. I you know there's like I think there's like um I mean shit that movie has like three or I mean four or five like scenes that you'll remember, huh? Like it has that like like the big one I think like the jaws, you know, the the is the uh, the water one, right? Like the little water uh the the cup of water and every time the T-Rex takes a shake, step, yeah. Shakes. That one stands out to me. The toilet scene always toilet stands scenes. out. Yep. And then I think there's the there's the um uh, in the in the like so the the scene with the like the tour, the tour cars and the the T-Rex peeking around and the whole like sit still, you know, like be still while it's peeking around. Yeah. Because I, I was gonna say, with that one is the one where like uh, the main character Sam Neill has the 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 flare, remember? And he's yep. like he's like standing and kind of like guiding it to to walk towards him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think those are the ones that like that. Yeah, that that movie just has those moments, and there's there's always that first scene when you first see the dinosaurs, where it's yeah, pretty, like pretty awesome. 
I honestly like I'm sure there are bits and pieces from the other ones like I'm trying to think right now but like I think the core like most of the stuff that I'm going to think of when someone says Jurassic Park like you said is that first movie I didn't realize that until you talked about it I was like I think all of those main memories that are going to pop up are going to be that first movie yeah and I and I and again like I I think the other part that really works and I mean look Michael Crichton is a is a was I'm sorry um was a, a superb writer, right? I think the reason why this movie was made, like within you know almost less than two years after it was released, is because at this point, this dude's got. I mean, like he, you know, besides the Thirteenth Warrior, one of my, you know, one of my favorites. That's a good one. Um, he already had like I think Congo and Sphere, and Rising Sun. He had like the Terminal Man, the Great Train Robbery you know he can write a man can write he does really well and i think there was i think stephen king is quoted in saying something really insightful that that also made me have to look up a word oh um yeah learning um, i know i know um let's see what was it that that he said about him he said as a pop novelist, he was divine. A, Crit a Crichton book was a headlong experience driven by a man who was both a natural storyteller and a fiendishly clever and fiendishly clever when it came to verisimilitude. Versim oh, okay, verisimilitude, yeah. Yeah, which I didn't know what that word meant. He made you believe that cloning dinosaurs wasn't just over the horizon, but possible tomorrow, maybe today. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think that's the part that that I was going to say that makes this movie for me is is uh the um the explanation of how they did it is very plausible, right? Like I, I don't know anything about science, but as a as a layman, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that actually kind of makes sense." That's an appealing um that's an appealing trait, I think. So there's a couple different ways to do like I guess science fiction is where it's like most common. It's like the hard science fiction versus soft where like you either have plausible explanations or you just sort of hand wave it and say it happened because it's, you know, it's the future. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And making it plausible is a, is a great immersive technique, especially when I guess to, to be really good at it, you have to not overdo it. Right. You give enough information to make it sound, but then you don't back yourself into a corner. Yeah. And, and the other part is like, like anything else, right? The minute you find something, if if we found that a person can fly, we'd sell tickets to it. Oh yeah, you know. So this is completely plausible too. Of like, yeah, yeah. like the human response. What are we gonna do with this momentous breakthrough? We're gonna make a theme park and sell tickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, I mean, this is what Elon Musk would do, right? This is what <laughs> Jeff Bezos would do. This is literally, yeah. Like, I mean, what... yeah, he'd have a he'd have a failed park. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't it Richard Branson that he was the first guy that offered like planes that would uh, or yeah pl plane go to space that Virgin go to galactic space? yeah you know like and you're like so yeah what do you do with it you you find a way to, to like make it accessible to people and charge the money for it life uh, finds a way <laughs> oh Gabe 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 all right <laughs> I see what you did there <laughs> um, all right so uh, that's ninety three. There's an interesting too an interesting pattern here with the they, they didn't they didn't pop these out ridiculously fast like there was a, a decent gap between them which I uh, again I didn't I didn't realize it took the first three until 2001 I didn't think it went into the 2000s but it did um, so our second one uh, Lost World 
uh, is uh, 97, second installment in the franchise. Uh, it's loosely based on Crichton's 1995 novel, Lost World, um, again directed by Spielberg, uh, with a screenplay, again, by David Kep. Um, mo you got most of the people reprising their roles. There's a few uh, interesting additions. Um, we have Vince Vaughn is in there as Nick Owen. Um, uh, Pete Postlewaite as uh, the big game hunter, Roland Tembo. And Julianne Moore um, is in there uh, as Malcolm's girlfriend. So yeah. <laughs> we have some, some, some fun additions to the original cast. So speaking of the book, this is my fun fact. So Oh, okay. So Spielberg... So so Michael Crichton had no intention of writing a sequel to Jurassic Park. He had written the book and he had no he intention. He was done. He was, he was good. Done. Okay. Spielberg reached out to him and said he would be interested in doing a sequel um, if he wrote the book, uh, doing an adaptation of it. So that's the only reason why Michael Crichton wrote a, a, a sequel. He wrote a whole ass book because Spielberg. Yeah. And like you said, loosely based, which like the first one is based on the book. The second one they yep. took like the best stuff. But yeah, the reason why he wrote a second one is because huh. Spielberg came calling and said, and yeah, like as he was finishing the book, like production was starting on the movie. That's crazy. Was Crichton one of those people who, who didn't have issues with writer's block? Was he one of those people who could just write? I wonder. Uh, I no. believe so. Uh, you have to understand that he was writing since the late 60s. Yeah. And he was popping out four or five books a year. I mean, a decade. So every two yeah. to three years, he was busting out a book. So I don't think he had that problem. He definitely, not like Stephen King status, you know, but definitely well, uh, putting stuff out there. Like to the point that at least four novels have been released uh, posthumously. Post why do I have so much work? To posthumously. posthumously. Got you. I got you. There was at least four, four post posthumous novels released uh, that he basically had on his laptop almost completed. <laughs> <laughs> crazy i always think of uh piers anthony because like in his like about the author or whatever some stuff that's pretty easily accessible which is why i even bothered to read it it talks about how he just like yeah he just he was like a nine to five like yeah. author he just sat down wrote in his time that he was supposed to write and it was like okay i'm good for the day and could pick it up from wherever <laughs> and that just like that boggles my mind as a, as a creative function that's he just fantastic. like could be like okay it's time to work Type away. That's fair. So yeah, fantastic. that's funny because that's what I picture when you say somebody reached out and was like, oh, well, you didn't plan to write some, but could you write it? And she's like, yeah, sure. I'm just going to sit down and crank out a novel. <laughs> All right. So for Lost World, we have four years after the original film, John Hammond, Attenborough, loses control of his company, Engine, to his nephew, Peter Ludlow, who uh, on the verge of uh, bankruptcy, Ludlow intends to exploit dinosaurs from Engine's second island, Isla Sorna with plans for a new dinosaur theme park in San Diego. Hammond sends a team led by the eccentric chaos theorist and mathematician Ian Malcolm Goldblum to the island to document the dinosaurs and encourage non-interference, although the two groups eventually come into conflict. So again, when it comes to storytelling and like the story moving along, this this makes so much sense to me, right? Like, you, because, because, like, in the first one, you're just in awe of the park, right? Yeah. But then somebody, somebody, and again, Michael Crichton asked the question, well, where did they raise these dinosaurs? And he's like, well, on Dino Island, they had a place where they raised the dinosaurs. Once they were ready, they would move them to the park. 
and he he brings the question up of like, so wait, so when everything went to shit, what happened to that island? Oh, here's a movie about it where there's free roam of like dinosaurs who have been able to survive on their own instinct without the help and 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 you know disturbance of humans. I also like that it uh, accurately represents what happens. Like you know, you had the disaster, so the guy lost his company. Like that's what <laughs> you know. You lose your, so you get bought out, and then and then they go to do the exact same shit again. Like that's the natural. Re- they're like, okay, we we could do this, but now, now that we've acquired the right, but patents, now we can do it in San Diego, Gabe. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, that's, spectacular. Yeah. So I, I, I liked again I, when it comes to storytelling. I love the fact that you revisit it, but you don't try to do the same thing again. The mo- the story's moving forward. Four years have passed. This island has been by itself with dinosaurs, and they have now acclimated, and it is their island. It's, it's. I love it. I, I, I really, really like that story. There is an actor in this movie. His name is Arliss How- Howard. I remember. Yep. I still remember. Yes, because he played uh, he played cowboy in uh, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> that's literally. I remember watching this movie, and going. That's why there you go. That's cowboy. Every time I see Matthew Modine or this yeah, he's guy, he's the nephew. Yeah, he's every time I, nephew. Every time I see them, I'm like, I always, I'm like, oh yeah, they were in uh, Full Metal Jacket because you know. <laughs> uh, moving on to our third, one, we have Jurassic Park three uh, from 2001. Directed by Joe Johnson and written by Peter Buckman, Alexander Payne, and Jim Taylor. So this was the first one, uh, and of course, you know, the end of the trilogy, it, not directed by Spielberg. Yeah, uh, I think, if I recall, he was approached. He was not interested in doing a trilogy, but he, he I think he executive produced that he still wanted to be a part of it, but just did not mm. want to direct it. And I think, he, I think he had a lot to say on who the director was, so I think he was happy with that. Yeah, so after the release uh, of Jurassic Park, Joe Johnson expressed an interest in directing a sequel. Spielberg agreed. Um, Universal Pictures announced a third film uh, in June of 98 with a release scheduled for mid-2000. A draft was written by Peter uh, Buckman, which was rejected five weeks ahead of filming in favor of a simpler story. Yeah. Uh, Idea suggested by David Kep, the writer of the previous two. Payne and Taylor were hired to rewrite the earlier script by Buckman, who made further revisions to their draft. Filming lasted five months uh, in Hawaii before moving to California. A final draft of the script was never completed during production, a circumstance Johnson considered quick quitting over. Uh, Jurassic Park 3 features a combination of computer-generated and animatronic dinosaurs. Did I miss somehow? I think I might have missed the actual synopsis. Hang on. Oh, I can tell you what the synopsis was. I remember this one. Well, we've been doing... Uh, yeah, but this is you, Gabe. We've been doing so well. You've been... This with, is you. Uh, with it it just says here the plot follows a divorced couple who deceive yes. paleontologist uh, uh dr alan grant into helping them find their son who has gone missing that's that's such a short synopsis compared to the other two but that's literally what is it that, is though. That, i guess that was the simple script they were talking about right like they were just like you know what the hell with a bunch of complicated stuff a kid a kid got lost on vacation and so like now now we're all gonna do this all right i do re- i mean i do remember that one i remember it too and i and uh and I, I think it's one of those. Um, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know why, but I thought about this, and I was like, it's the. In my head, I was like, it's the Gene Rottenberry effect. One plane crash, two plane crash. You know, I'll, I'll try a third one, basically, right? After what happened on that island, why would you go back ever? Even, even, yeah. if, even as a, as a, like, even if they tell you you're never gonna get off the plane, you're just gonna hover over it. I'd be like, nope. Not no yeah, no no. That's... Show me the documentary on on uh, Matt Geo. 
I'll get better views. Let's see who else do we have. So uh, some other additions to our cast: uh, William H Macy mm-hmm. um, as the uh, ex-husband and the kid's father; um, Tia Leone as the uh, ex-wife and Eric's mother; uh, Alessandro Nivola as Doctor Grant's assistant; uh, Trevor Morgan as uh, Eric Kirby, who is uh, the son who is lost. There you go. Yeah, I think I think of the original three. This is definitely number three and like it didn't feel yeah. it didn't feel connected with it with the exception of sam sam neil it just did not feel connected mm-hmm. yeah so it uh you're losing you're losing the plot a little bit by three in terms of of narrative drive yeah um i can't think of anything like i mean that one had it had some fun uh stuff i, I instead of a t-rex at this the what is it called which is the dinosaur the spinosaurus replaces uh the t-rex as the principal antagonist you say that and i still don't remember i just remember it was like a a gnarlier looking predator was all like it was like faster and you know they were having they were you know talking about the differences i I mean you know they're just making all this up at this point but it was a you know it wasn't as there wasn't as much reason to be engaged you were just there to look at the dinosaurs eating people oh all right. Uh, we fast forward ahead to 2015, uh, and we start the second trilogy. Um, so Jurassic World, uh, directed by Colin Trevorrow, uh, co-wrote the screenplay with Rick Jaffa, Amanda Silver, and Derek Connolly. Um, the story was by Jaffa and Silver. It's the first installment in the Jurassic World trilogy, obviously a fourth overall movie. Um, our, our stars, our primary stars are Chris Pratt um, as Owen Grady, Bryce Dallas Howard as Claire Deering, uh, Vincent, you know, I can't, I, I struggle with his name, like your words. I always want to say it wrong. So D'Onofrio mm-hmm. as Vic Hoskins um, and B.D. Wong as Dr. Henry Wu. He comes back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, uh, he stays consistent. There's a couple people that stay consistent, as we'll see. Let's see. So what happened here? Set 22 years after the events of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World takes place on the same fictional island of Isla Nublar, located off the Pacific coast of Costa Rica. A successful theme park of cloned dinosaurs, dubbed Jurassic World, has operated on the island for years, bringing John Hammond's dream to fruition. The park plunges into chaos when a transgenic dinosaur escapes from its enclosure and goes on a rampage while a conspiracy orchestrated by the park staff creates more dangers this is this so two things that i like about this right is they bring you in and now it is a fully functional park that has not had any issues yeah but just like anything we meet them when they're about to have an issue Mm -hmm. so that was the first cool thing that i liked about it is that no this is like this is disneyland like that like this is officially like a, a place people go for vacation and there's no nothing bad and it's been 10 or however long it's been open nothing yep. bad has happened this is business as usual every single day right like uh, like nothing nothing weird is happening here um i remember that but i also like i remember the whole like we just don't learn from our lessons do we we don't learn from our mistakes gabe what is it that they say life uh finds a way yes <laughs> <laughs> um 
But well, then, in this case, also with the assistance of people trying to gene splice the yes, hell out of it. Yes, that, that, that was the twist in this one, right? That they had a fully functional place and they were all like, wasn't it basically like, how do we make something more terrifying than a T-Rex to attract more visitors and make more money, right? Uh, yeah, so the there was kind of two groups, I want to say. Um, if I'm remembering, I only saw this one time when it came out. I, I want to say that it was... On one hand, you had the park saying we need to attract more people because it's getting boring. Dinosaurs mm. are getting boring. We need better dinosaur. And you also had people that were trying to court the military uh, defense contracting. Oh, right. That was they happening. They were like, is there a use for this to try to monetize? They were trying to figure out better ways to monetize the park. That's because true. after being a successful dinosaur park for however many years, their attendance was going down. <laughs> I mean, again, like there's a certain point where a man flying would be all like, I'm like, I'm not going to go on opening weekend. I'll yeah. wait a month. I'll wait till they, it, it drops down to matinee prices. <laughs> so for I actually so Jurassic World of the of the second trilogy, again, I think the first movie was probably your strongest uh, outing. Like, yeah. So I, I so I remember this one. Right. It was the, um, uh, you know, uh, Chris Pratt doing the Velociraptor, you know, uh, whispering. Mm -hmm. And and then the big one was seeing the old T-Rex come back, right? He reappeared as the hero by trying yeah. to defeat the, the, the new gene splice. The new, to... yeah. So I remember that was the cool thing. But again, the special effects were so much. It was... Oh, yeah. It was so, so much. But yeah, definitely reminiscent of the first Jurassic Park, for sure. I, for, I forget the... I'm going to find the name of it. I mentioned it. I'm going to find the name now. I didn't think of this before. It's like a... I think it was like... Uh, in Indo something Sauruses. Oh no, I don't want the name of that. I was oh. thinking of my fun fact. Oh, <laughs> um, for this, I I remember I mentioned this before and I never looked up the name. So I have other fun facts that are more gen general. But Chris Pratt carries a rifle in this specifically. Uh, it's the Marlin Model eighteen ninety five SBL. Um, it's chambered in forty five seventy manufactured by marlin it is actually on their website rated for t-rex that's that's funny. like they show you like the pictures of what creature on their website like you know whether this is a deer a bear like they have a t-rex so it's the only that's <laughs> rifle that that's known very, that's very clever to be rated for t-rex so he very actually clever. has a dinosaur rifle <laughs> that's very clever now, Which that, is funny. Did they, that predated the movie. Oh, really? I was about to say, did they did they connect the two? Oh, wow. I okay. Think, I want to say that it predated. I'm almost positive that I that when it first came out, it was a big joke because like it was like dinosaur, and that they said like, well, well if there's a dinosaur rifle, this guy would have it, right? That's funny. That's yeah, very funny. So that is that is pretty spectacular. I think <laughs> that is. Uh, all right. Let's see. The next one we have is Fallen Kingdom. So Jurassic World again, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, 2018, uh, directed by J.A. Bayona, written by Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow. It's the second installment in the Jurassic World trilogy. We see uh, Chris Pratt, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, B.D. Wong are back with the re-edition of uh, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm. Um, I think he might have had a cameo at the end of the first one that was like uncredited or something. Maybe. And then they officially had him back. Maybe. I can't remember how that went, but I think he was he was like he testified or something. He was like in a I think at the very end, yeah. like right he and I think that was like an uncredited, like they didn't show that he was gonna be in it, and then he yeah. was back in the next two movies, because of course he is. 
our story here in this one follows Owen Grady and Claire Deering as they return to the fictional Central American island of Isla Nublar to rescue the remaining dinosaurs from an impending volcanic eruption, only to discover a mercenary team's ulterior motives to bring them to the U.S. mainland. Again, like, I appreciate this movie because of the storytelling, right? They literally are like, hey, we we were living with these dinosaurs for X amount of years. We know there's going to be a volcano. They're going to get killed. How do we rescue as many as we can and move them to a safe place? Because they're, you know, they're animals. They're not they're not dinosaurs anymore, right? They're actual species animals that are thriving. Yeah. It's at our responsibility now, especially since we brought them back. Exactly. Are we not responsible for their, their future? Again, really good storytelling. Then the, the twist, obviously, is, oh, they're being also extracted by, you know, mercenaries to be able to. Yeah. Because I think the, what, what, what I remember about this, too, was that these mercenaries were picking them up to take them to the black market so they could be auctioned off by rich people. Yeah. So uh, tying into the previous interest in defense contracting. So again, some some rich person was like, we could sell these to people, and I think this is the one too where they had like a some kind of like uh, uh, like lidar that they could light something up with that would make one of them attack. Like one of them had been oh, I think you're right, conditioned, yes, conditioned to like attack based on which is you know, I mean, if you if you think about that too hard, it seems like if you were at a clear line of sight and could point something at somebody, there's easier ways to kill somebody than pointing a laser and having a (laughs) A genetically modified dinosaur to attack him. Yeah, but, um, but then, Gabe, there's no gunpowder residue. You don't have to actually <laughs> do anything yourself. I mean, come on. Yeah. So, uh, but that was like, you know, they were trying to highlight the fact that there had been work done specifically with the mind to um, warfare. Yeah, in, no. In uh, again, like, I, I did like this one, too. Good through line. Yeah. yeah. You know, like following the story. I think uh, same with the first two. Uh, like they, they were following a storyline that made sense. It was part three, usually. And I think. I'm not gonna lie. Before you even get to that 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 next one, I have no idea because I don't think I watched it. Uh, so I did watch the uh, uh, the the final film. I watched it on my flight. So oh, when okay. I was, uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember if it was coming or going, but on on Fin Air, I watched this because um, I was like, you know what? It's like a three hour movie. <laughs> it's <like> ridiculously long. <laughs> oh, let's kill some time. I was like, I don't know when else I'm going to sit down and be like, let's watch this. Because it didn't get, I don't think it got the best reviews. Um, so uh, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, uh, no, four years after Fallen Kingdom. Hang on. I don't have the name here. What did I do with the name? Oh, Dominion, I think it was called. World, Yep, yeah, World Dominion. Jurassic World Dominion. There we go. Okay, so Jurassic World Dominion. It's set four years after the events of Fallen Kingdom with the dinosaurs now living alongside humans around the world. Uh, it follows Owen Grady and Claire Deering as they embark on a rescue mission, while Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler, and Ian Malcolm. So we have the return of the original, like kind of th- core three mm-hmm. from the first trilogy, um, uh, work to expose the conspiracy by the uh, um, the Geomics Corporation, Biosyn, planning. Uh, oh, so planning for the film began in 2014 before the release of the first Jurassic World. So they had a complete picture, I guess. Oh wow. Filming took place um, in Vancouver, 2020. Legendary Pictures was not involved with the production due to the expiration of its four-year partnership with Universal. Mm. Um, 
interesting note with an estimated budget of 265 million it is one of the most expensive films ever made as of 2014 as, so i as of 2020 when it was working oh because they, they knew before they started that this is how they wanted the arc to go oh but it didn't get produced until 2020 yeah look i don't remember this one to be honest with you i don't think i watched again, it i hadn't seen it i wasn't I, I kind of watched it mostly out of again kill time, and then I was like, I should because then I've completed the the set. I watched them all. Um, it kind of to me again. I watched it the one time. I don't expect to watch it again. It felt a little meandering, and it felt like they were just kind of like not sure how to close things out in a satisfactory way. Yeah, so you get you get the band back together, right? Yeah, so you kind of get everyone back in, and then you say like throw something at the wall and see what sticks. 30? It had its moments. Like, I mean, again, the visuals, like you said, uh, they were impressive for their time when they first happened. Like the CGI was amazing. And honestly, the some scenes particularly, like, the, again, the T-Rex around the vehicles hold up surprisingly well. They do. Um, but the new stuff, again, is incredible. What they're able to do is incredible. So, Yeah, no, this one, this one definitely, like, number six on my charts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Out of out of all of them. Only be, um, again, only because I don't remember it. Now I don't know if I hate it more than number three. If this is my number five and, and Jurassic Park 3 is number six now for me. Anyway. I think I like three better because at least it had some of the original charm still. Mm, still okay. right, still sure, there. Sure, sure, Gabe. Sure, sure. <laughs> there are two short films that I have not seen to my knowledge. Um, and by short, I mean very short. It's like five and eight minutes. Um, as of 2022, two short films have been released. Both take place between Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, they're considered canon within the film series. Okay. The, ba the Battle at Big Rock from 2019 um, is a live-action short film, um, eight minutes, uh, set one year after the event of Fallen Kingdom. In the film, a family goes on a camping trip at the fictional Big Rock National Park in Northern California, approximately 20 miles from where the dinosaurs in Fallen Kingdom were let loose. It chronicles the first major confrontation between humans and dinosaurs. That sounds kind of okay, interesting. That is interesting. Uh, and then the other one is just a prologue for Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, it's a five-minute prologue serves as the franchise's second live-action short film, originally intended as the film's opening sequence before being removed from the final cut. It features a prehistoric segment showcasing dinosaurs in their natural habitats and then cuts to present day as a T-Rex wreaks havoc at a drive-in theater. Um, it's used as the prologue for the opening uh, it, it, sequence in the extended edition. So oh, I guess they okay. reincorporate it. So that's all of our live-action uh, movie stuff. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm surprised that like I've seen and I remember at least five of them, even though I, I don't know if I saw the last one. I'm telling you, Dominion it seems very, very foreign to me. So maybe I never saw it. Maybe I should give it a shot because uh, you know yeah, what? That's worth seeing once. Because you know the other part that that when it comes to storytelling is when you know you have three in you and you've been green lit mm -hmm. for three they're going to make sense. They're going to go well together, right? They, it wasn't put in because of the success of the first one, right? Yeah. It wasn't a money money grab. Well, you think that. Uh, and then there's the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy. Uh, okay. All right. But anyway, <laughs> back to less uh, expensive movies. <laughs> well, okay. Speaking of expensive, so the production budget for all uh, combined was $1.076 billion. 
Holy cow. For six movies. Yes. And they came away with a gross of over over six billion. Wow, that's way better than the Terminator movies. Yeah, so they, they did well. Yeah, dude, damn, that's actually really well. That means that yeah. almost that means that almost each one of these films cleared a billion. Yeah, let's get the actual. Let me get the actual. Uh let's see here. So Jurassic Park only cost sixty three million. And its total take was just over at one point one billion. Jesus. Worldwide. Lost World only cost ten million more. It was seventy three. Uh it did not get near as much. It got six hundred million, six hundred eighteen. Still pretty damn good for that budget. I mean, again, fine. Jurassic Park three was ninety three million. Um did worse. <laughs> <laughs> brought in 368 oh no uh, almost 369 million so again uh successful for sure not nearly jurassic world was 150 million budget jesus and it brought in one uh, 1.6 million. jesus chris pratt man that was all him chris pratt i mean like chris pratt and the, and the return of a beloved ip you know yeah. it just so like here's a crazy jump though so the budget for Fallen Kingdom. So we went from Jurassic World 150 million, right? Fallen Kingdom 432 million. Oh my god. Uh and it brought in 1.3 billion. Dude, that is so much money. And for the final one, they only spent 265 million and they got just over a billion. Damn. Damn, so Chris that, Pratt. Fallen Kingdom is a huge chunk of that production budget. <laughs> Like an insane, like, wow. <laughs> that I mean, that's that's Chris Pratt making eighty million out of that film, or forty. Or 50. It's got to be insane. Because he was um, he was peak he was peak uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy at this point too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, twenty eighteen is when it released. Oh yeah, yeah. Start filming yeah, a couple years yeah, before. Yeah, he's yeah. very much at the the apex of his fame. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So for some of the the critical reception, Jurassic Park has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, earned it. Very very fair. Um the uh, second one, The Lost World, has a 54, which that's surprising. That's 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 a harsher dip than I would have guessed cuz I again, I think it's, it's I think it half. deserves it's almost half. Yeah, I think it deserves better than that. Three has a 49, which is not a sharp fall off from two and feels like probably where it belongs. Yeah. It feels like two should be more in between those. We see a uh, uh, a similar and probably better matching arc for the next trilogy. So Jurassic World got a 71. Okay. People gave it, you know, it's okay. It's good. It's good. I think I think 71 is probably good. You, you get into excellent and, you know, great above that. And I'm going to guess it went down 10%. Uh, more. Uh, Fallen Kingdom... Uh, was 46. Oh, wow. So people thought, meh. And then <laughs> Dominion got a 28% with not the highest, but like those the, the second trilogy had over 350 reviews for every movie, over 400 for the final two, and, and got those scores. All right, I'll, I'll take blame for that. I was one of the people who didn't watch it and didn't leave a review. Okay. <laughs> um... Yeah, so there's our our feature films, and there's little little baby add-ons. So 
what other uh, uh, media and stuff do we have? So we have, so aside from the animated series, there's a play from 2019, Jurassic World Live. Jurassic World got a play. That's interesting. Kinda, I didn't know about the animated series. What year did that come out in? What was, yeah, what uh, was that? At the animated series, uh, 2020-2022, oh, okay. Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I was unaware of that as well. Yeah, it must be uh, a too kid's new show. to catch me. It must have yep. been a kids show, huh? okay? For sure. Um, so for uh traditional, which I assume means tabletop kind of a game, uh, Jurassic World: The Legacy of Isla Nublar, uh, because it's Jurassic World, it's newer. Mm-hmm. Um. For video games, taking a quick peek. I look. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I remember. I remember Sega Genesis had that side scroller, and then Nintendo had that like that overhead view, like that satellite view kind of uh, game. Um, they were interesting. <laughs> I'll say that much. There's 19 titles oh that God. were released in the 90s. Jesus. And then in the 2000s, they have their own list. Hang on. No, but they're they're probably talking like Sega Genesis, NES, Game Boy, right? Game Boy Color. Yeah. That's like four right there, right? It could have been the same two years. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So games, like none of that is necessarily like totally uh, original. You have Jurassic Park on multiple systems. Yeah. Jurassic Park 2 uh, only on one system. A few others. It gets more uh, diverse the farther you go. But still, that first game was released on everything. Jurassic yeah. Park was released on uh, Game Boy, uh, Super Nintendo, Genesis, Game Gear, Sega CD, Amiga, Jesus, an arcade version. <laughs> like yeah. they put it everywhere. That makes Again, sense. Again, a highly popular, very well received movie. They just put it everywhere. Um, but there's a ton of uh, game adaptations, and and with each cycle of a trilogy, they kind of each got their own. Uh, they each got their own focus and their own set of games there's also some uh i know there's one that i actually have um i believe i got it for free i haven't played it i have a friend who played it where you do the kind of sims park management like uh oh uh, really <laughs> yeah it's like a, you actually manage the park and you have to have so you have to both plan where you're going to put the different species and who's compatible and what environments do they like and then they will occasionally try to break out and you have to manage that you have to have a response wow. team that handles that you have your science division, your security division, and your uh, like entertainment park division that are all vying for focus. Like the security just and wants budget, to be great. Right? Yep, budget. The science wants to learn and like gets you more unlocks. And then the entertainment people are just like, let's monetize the shit out of this. That's so yeah, funny. It's actually, I think it actually was a pretty good game. What else do we have for us? Uh, okay, so there's there's theme park attractions in real life for this. There was you rides. Know, I, I dude, I, I I went. Universal Studios had Jurassic Park the ride back in like yep. the mid to late nineties. I yeah ninety six. Yeah, I definitely went on that in L A. That was fun. It was a like a shark. Uh, it was like a Jaws type of thing where the T Rex would come in, into your little. Yeah, team. yeah, no, it was great. That was great. That was the only one I knew of though. Jurassic Park the ride from ninety six. Canopy Flyer from 2010, Dino Soaring from 2010, Clever. Jurassic Park Rapid Rapids Adventure from 2010, The Flying Dinosaur 2016, Jurassic World The Ride because of course 2019, right. and The Velocicoaster. Okay, nailed it right there. That's it. <laughs> they won. You've peaked. Yeah. Velocicoaster the best. You, you can't do anything after that. Nope. <laughs> Oh, I I hope I hope that the seat looked like the Velociraptor, like you know, you were sitting oh, on fantastic. him, or or like, yeah, no, that'd be amazing. 
Uh, so I, I, I guess uh, fun facts, and then and then uh, uh, we can talk about what what made it iconic, um, since that was unplanned on my end. So a couple of the fun facts that I noted that I thought were interesting. I actually have a bunch of stuff. I just I guess I'll just read the the best ones. Um, in 1983, Michael Crichton originally conceived a screenplay about a petrosaur being cloned from fossil DNA. After wrestling with this idea for a while, he came up with the story of Jurassic Park. He worked on the book for several years uh, and decided the first draft would have the theme park in a, a setting for the setting similar to Westworld, his 1973 film Westworld, uh, with a young boy as the main character. Response was so ex uh, extremely negative that he rewrote it to make it from an adult's point of view, which received wow. positive feedback. Yeah, I, I, he apparently nobody wanted to identify with a kid dealing with this. Okay, wow, that's interesting. Uh, uh, the film received a theatrical re-release, Jurassic Park, in 2013, and was selected in 2018 for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Nice. Made it in there. Uh, to help oversee the cleanup of Jurassic Park, the from the a script side and stuff, Spielberg, or I think editing actually, my bad, from an editing side, Spielberg turned to his old friend from Indiana Jones and The Land Before Time, George Lucas. Lucas and his team spent most of their time working on sound and visual effects, which would help influences Lucas's later use of effects in the Star Wars special edition. <laughs> uh, for his contribution, Lucas received a special credit at the end of the film. Nice. I didn't know that. I didn't know he I had. I didn't know that I mean, either. Although, yeah, although I imagine like Academy Awards are probably for sound and sound editing in this in these movies, right? Uh, let's take a peek here. I do have that uh, information. Let's see. Uh, yes. So <laughs> the Academy Awards for sound, uh, editing, mixing, and visual effects, Jurassic Park won. So George Lucas. Um, yeah. <laughs> And the Grammy Award for Best Soundtrack, uh, it was nominated, uh, and uh, Lost World was also nominated. Okay. Um, I Lost World was also nominated for visual effects, but didn't win. Mm. So of all the, this ties in nicely with what makes it iconic, I think, too. It's funny because there's a character that sticks out. Of all the human characters in the film, none have left an impact on the popular consciousness as much as Dr. Ian Malcolm, mm -hmm. Jeff Goldblum, mm -hmm. a mathematician who specializes in chaos theory. Malcolm acts as the voice of uh, discontent who points out the dangers of a man's attempt to control the natural world. He also showcases his bravery when he lights a flare to lure the Tyrannosaurus away from Grant and the children. So that scene uh, was intended for Malcolm to run away and save himself. Like the lawyer, uh, Donald Gennaro, uh, Martin Ferraro, it was Goldblum who approached Spielberg and suggested tweaking the scene to give Malcolm a more heroic moment. The decision paid off and helped to cement Malcolm as perhaps Goldblum's best character. I mean, look, I will tell you right now, the the talk about iconic moments. Jeff Goldblum, shirt open, injured <laughs> in this is I mean, I've seen tattoos of that shit, dude. That yeah. that is that is peak Goldblum right there. That is he Goldblum the hell out of that. Oh, he did, dude. He fucking <laughs> did. I think that ties nicely. That is an iconic. Oh, yeah, that is mean. that is and, and I think exactly what you said, Gabe, like, I think everything we think of Jurassic Park and everything is part one, literally. Yeah. I think I think that has has such a, a strong a fan base that it can push every every uh, vehicle afterwards. That's funny. Yep. For on site location, Spielberg chose the 
island. I'm going to mess this up. So I should look up how to say that for the Hawaiian island. The apostrophes and words kill me. It's just Kauai. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, so the island of Kauai in Hawaii for Isla Nublar. As they were preparing to finish shooting, the island was hit by Hurricane Iniki, the largest hurricane to ever hit Hawaii. While the cast and crew were safe in a hotel, the island was ravaged by 145 mile per hour winds. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that was an experience. It was. Any other iconic or cultural impactful things jump out at you besides shirtless Goldblum? Shirtless Goldblum, definitely. Most of most of Jurassic Park. Uh, and then the, I think, yeah, I think uh, in the new one, uh, bringing, back, bringing back the old T-Rex to, to almost like let him be a hero for a second as he defeats right. the, the main new bad guy. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's it. Like, I think the the little, the, you know, the Jeeps, you know, the, the little tracks that they follow. I still see, there's one out here in town that I've seen a, a couple, it's got to be the same one that's painted up as if it's a park Jeep, yeah. I like I think I think I even you know what like even when we think when you think about the thumbnail you know that that we used in our just that symbol yeah yeah it's it's a it's just you'll remember people it. co-op that for other things too oh, right they'll take sure. other symbols and put it there the the iconography of that is is uh, um, recognizable yeah yeah I think I think they did a really good job with that I mean you know I'm sure also that again it won awards right so it's probably another landmark in uh, CGI the original. You know. the, the original for sure, but you know yeah, what? I, what I was gonna, needle. what I was gonna say too was sometimes when there's a successful movie of a very specific genre, you see like you know the tons of people who then try to copy it right afterwards. I think this is one of those movies that they did not try. Right, we did not see a surge of uh, of dinosaur movies after Jurassic Park came out. Um, no. They 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 did it so well that it was definitely too difficult to to replicate. Yeah, that and again, I think at the time too, I bet a barrier of entry was the the CGI because like if you did it with if you just did that with the shittier CGI, like it'd be it'd be pretty bad. And you know, the first one was a a, a great mix of both practical. You know, it was in a time when you still wanted to have. That's true. That's true because I think the T Rex, the part of it was CGI and part of it was real, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, they had like I think the head and stuff animatronic. Yeah, and then there was the 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 one dinosaur that was uh that was sick. Remember and they they like yeah they were leaning on it and they would yeah no you're right that's actually true. Uh yeah and then I mean you know like I, we forget but you know uh, Sam Jackson right was in the first one. Yes, yes, he he definitely was uh smoking chain smoking Sam Jackson. And then uh, uh, wasn't had... he a technical? Wasn't he an IT? IT, yeah, I want to say he IT. was working on the technical side of it. And then uh, the, the other guy was the guy from from uh, even though I've never seen Seinfeld, I know the character. Newman, yeah, Newman, he plays yeah. Newman. Uh, Wayne Knight, I believe his name is. Yes. <laughs> um, See, yeah. nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. That uh, that whole that meme where he's sitting at the table and he says, "Hey, this guy." I don't even remember what the original <laughs> is because I've seen the meme so many times where people just put in whatever they want. See, nobody cares. <laughs> Um, I've also seen his like uh, smuggling, his like Barbasol, whatever he had was smuggling oh, the, the DNA. Shaving cream? He had the can, the shaving cream can. I've seen that as a thing you can buy. Nice on like both official like actual stores and like Etsy people make as like a gift, a little like Barbasol thing with like nice. you know Dino stuff. Yeah, Very just because. Cool. Very cool. Again, from you know, from the from the first one. Alrighty, so 
Um, thank you for listening and going through this with us. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at popculturehangfire. Uh, come see the art and stay for the, the laughs. And uh, we will see you all next time.